Hi. How many of you know what Convoy of Hope is already? We have done this over a decade, uh, every August in the summertime, uh, annually, and you have met the president, founder of Convoy of Hope. He's a friend of mine, Hal Donaldson, great guy. He has been on this platform. I remember when Convoy of Hope started, we were one of the early churches that got on board as a major partner with Convoy of Hope, and here's what it is. It's an organization that takes food, water, supplies to any catastrophe in the world. When, when you give to Convoy of Hope, you're there. Right now, we're at the floods in the south. We're at the fires in other states. We're in Ukraine right now. Timberline is there because we have given large amounts of money over the years to support Convoy of Hope. One day to feed the world is, is our way of funding it. We ask you to pray about giving one day's wage, whatever that is, to this, in the, into this offering to make a difference in the world. This keeps me from getting up here every weekend and saying something else happened in Haiti, something else happened in Mexico City, some, and taking offerings all the time. We do it one time. It's about a 30-day run out. You can pray about it, think about it. You don't have to give one day. How many of you know how much you make in one day? I'm just curious. Few of you. How many of you just know it's not enough? Just, that's all. Yeah. So Bonnie and I have done this, and, and we, we love doing it. So just, if that's how you want to do it, great. If not, just pray about it and do it how you want. We do have about a 30-day drop-down window on our website, a box in the back, um, not to be taken from your tithe and offering, but this is an extra offering that is a great cause. So I hope that explains it well enough. We're so glad you're here. We welcome everybody online. We're in a series called God's Nature, and this series has to do with kind of tracing his fingerprints. We have talked, I love summer series in Colorado. We try to get you outside and enjoying this beautiful state that we live in. And his nature, we've talked about wind, we've talked about fire. You look at his creation and how nature reveals who God is. This is the final sermon of that series, and we get to talk about his most prized creation. You know what it is? You. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's amazing. <laughs> or say, no way. <laughs> you. People. People. When God created all the animals, and then he kind of looked around and he said, this is, this is good. But then he created mankind and he said, this is very good. This is very good. So you're, you're special. Keep that in mind as we walk through some of these things. And so I wonder, I wonder if we realize what it means to be made in the image of God. I have a, a big question for you to consider today. So have you ever, I wonder if you've ever hung out with someone for a couple days. And when they're driving away, they say something like this about you. You know, when I'm around them, I'm just really reminded of what God is like. <laughs> Think that's ever happened about you? <laughs> I know it's never happened about me. Does the, is, is that what it means to actually be in the image of God? Do you ever see a, a newborn and you go, oh, looks just like mom. Looks just like dad. Why is that? There's a DNA piece. There's an imagery in our bodies that creates 
another human being. And when God made mankind, this is what happened. He formed him out of the dust of the ground, which is unique. But then God breathed into that. And his image, his, his DNA, his being came into fruition. I, I love this. And that's the first point in your outline is we are created in his image. I don't even know for sure what all that means. We all are uniquely different. There are no two human beings exactly the same, but all of us can bear his image. How does that happen? Well, it can't just be by features on your physical body. It has to be something deeper than that. It has to be traits or qualities, personality traits, and words like kind, generous, um, truthful. All of these are the ways in which we are most like God. Now, it doesn't mean that we are God. Don't get that confused. We are not little deities in human form. But we are created in the image of the most high God. And that's very important. Let me take you all the way back to the beginning in the Bible. The very first chapter in Scripture is in the book of Genesis chapter 1. And in verse 26 of that chapter 1, it says this. Then God said, he's made all the creatures. He said, let us make human beings in our, say it with me, image. Now notice the, the plural. Let us make mankind, human beings, in our. Who's that? That's the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They were together and they made us, mankind, in their image. To be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. There it is again. This next line, in the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. I don't even need to comment on that, but there are many groups in our world today that find hostility over a statement like that. But that's what the Bible says. Our existence should remind other people of who God is. I don't know. I, let's, just, let's just chill out a little bit together and say, does that make you nervous? Like, how do you feel about that? Is there, does it put a lot of pressure on you? Um, am, I, you know, am I supposed to feel bad all the time because I can't measure up to God? I mean, that's a, lot of, that's a lot of pressure. I don't think that's the intent. But I think God gave us the ability... You know, God made camels and whales and elephants and dogs and all, all these things. I, I don't think there's any mention of cats. <laughs> just, kidding, just kidding. Just kidding. I don't need any emails on that. It was a joke. I did, I did have someone one time come up to me, and I, I get this, after a service like this back at the Welcome Center, and I'd love to meet you if you're new to Timberline, come back and say hi to me. 
Um, and they said, my dog died this week, and boy, Bonnie and I have had black labs our whole life, and you'd fall in love with these creatures. I mean, it's, it's amazing. And she said, I need to know, will this dog be in heaven? And I said, wow. I said, I, I don't know your dog. I never met your dog. I know my dogs will be in heaven, but I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> except except I, have, I had one dog that is not in heaven, I promise. <laughs> Rusty is not there. And Bonnie and I agree on that. He went to some other place. I don't know where, but he is not in heaven. I guarantee you that. Um, the second thing in your outline is that we are created with equal value. Now, created in God's image, we sort of get our head around that because we, you know, you see kids and parents and DNA pieces and ancestry. That's a big deal in our world right now. And you trace it back and you pull up a picture of great, 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 great grandpa and you go, wow, I see that in so-and-so. But when it comes to some of the traits, we have to go with things like equal value. Now this verse that I'm going to read to you is written to a church called, in a city called Colossae. It's, the Bible book is Colossians. It's a letter that the apostle Paul wrote. And in this letter, there's some correction, there's some encouragement, but there's some concepts that are very, very important for the church. Now keep in mind, this is a letter that is written to people who have accepted Jesus Christ into their life. They have believed that he was the Messiah. He's died on the cross. He's risen from the dead. They agree in that and they are the church. And so he says some things that are designed to be said to Christians, to believers. This is not for people who are outside of that. And in Colossians 3, verse 10, after it was divided into chapters, because it was just a letter, these letters would be read to the congregation and then passed along to other congregations. In verse 10 it says this, put on your new nature. There's a suggestion there that there's a, some other nature. That would be the nature of the flesh before you gave your life to Jesus, the born-again experience. And be renewed as you learn to know your creator and what? Become like him. In this new life, again, separation, not, not what I used to be, but in this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. To us, that's not even a declaration hardly. But to the church in Colossae, can I tell you, this is a bomb going off in the building. A, a Jewish man in this culture started his day by saying this, thank you, God, that I am not a Gentile, a woman, or a slave. Wow. When Paul wrote this, it's huge. And this just created a rush across the room. Like, this new life, this new conviction, this new understanding that we are all created in the image of God with equal value, this is a new concept. Where is this coming from? It's coming from God. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised. That was a huge controversy in the early church. Barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Paul's trying to think of the worst low-down places he can go according to the culture that they lived in. Christ is all that matters. 
And he what? Lives in all of us. Those who have surrendered their life to Jesus Christ. Man, Paul is going right after the heart of the church. And he's helping us to recognize that there is no scenario on this earth where people should ever feel devalued. As believers, you guys, we have no room for any kind of racism in, or prejudice in our lives or in our church, ever, no matter what. We, as a matter of fact, need to really pay attention to how this creeps up in our lives because I don't think we always see our own prejudices. I don't think we even recognize it in our lives. We, we have a lot of, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an example here. And again, you don't have to agree with me. It's just, it's just something that sometimes it disturbs me when I hear politicians say, God bless America. Now, if it's said as a prayer, I'm for it. How many of you know we need God to help us? <laughs> okay. But to invoke a blessing on a nation that is running from the statutes and mandates of God, God's hands are tied. He can't bless. This would be like me saying, God, please bless me as I steal from my employer. Help me to steal a lot of money because I promise I'll do better things with it than my employer does. <laughs> Will God bless that? No, he won't. Why? Because the Bible teaches that stealing is not a trait of godliness. And so we have to be really careful about invoking God's blessing. There are times when people groups are blessed by God because they are walking in obedience to God. When you walk in obedience to God, his blessing can follow that. It doesn't mean you're going to live without trial or challenge. But I'm not going to pray God's blessing or try to pray God bless me or bless this group when they're willfully walking away from what God has in mind for them. Being created in his image does not guarantee that I live with his blessing. There are many people that are created in the image of God that hate God, don't believe in God, call themselves atheists. But they're still created in the image of God. And they have the potential in any given moment to accept Jesus Christ in their life and the Holy Spirit will come and start refining them just like I hope that's happening in your life. It's happening in my life. But this is why racism has no part of the church because it devalues people. And I, I've been really watching this and I never want to have anything in my life that, that thinks, you know, I should go first in line. Why do I, why do I, why do I put myself ahead of someone else? Why don't I pay attention to what's really going on in my brain. It's just, it's just a reminder of, of who we are. That's part of being in his image. Number three is we're created for relationship. Now this one, this one is probably more sticky for us than any because relationships are tricky. They just are. Let us make man in our own image. So we know we're created in his image. We know that we are created with equality. And we know that we are created for relationships. As a matter of fact, if you follow the trend of that Genesis passage, God creates 
Adam, and then what does he say about him? Dude, you're, you need help. That's what he said. It's not good for you to be alone. We got to get a helper for you, man. Thank God. Thank God. And Eve is created. Multiply the earth. Rule over the earth. Dominion over the earth. So these are powerful things. And then if you just go to the next verse from verse 11, which we just read about equality, read Colossians 3 this week. Just read it. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves. It means put these on. They don't come naturally. <laughs> With tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, Gentleness, patience. I, I got to admit, when I start reading lists like this, it just loses me. Because I'm still back at the first thing thinking, I, I can't even do that one. There are sermons, there are sermon series and books written on one word of, that we're reading here. So it's a lot to take in. I get it. But I'm going to keep reading it. Make allowance for each other's faults. Why, why is that? Because we're created in the image of God. That's what God does. Aren't you glad? And here, oh, this is hard. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. Nanner, nanner, nanner. <laughs> That's what it feels like. So you must forgive others. If you want the image of God, if you're going to be God, if you want those traits then you're going to care about your relationships. You're not going to just burn the bridge. You're not going to just, just grab them and throw them out the window and say, I'm never again going to talk to you. You're going to work at relationships. Why? Because God never stops chasing his creation. Never stops. I know bad things can happen. But keep your end of the stick as clean as possible. Clothe yourselves this is verse 14, with love. It's not always like the end game. It's like, which binds us all together in perfect what? Harmony. See, that's why, that's why I hate church conflict that ends up with church splits and all that. It's such a horrible testimony of God's image. Thank you, Timberline. I mean that. We've been through a tough season in church life in, in our world. And Timberline, you are so resilient. You have, you have put up with stuff. You have different opinions. This church is so diverse politically. We're a multi-generational church. We were raised different. And God has put us all together and said, why don't you experiment with being my image? And why don't you make sure that you pay attention not to just get mean-spirited thinking you're right about everything. Clothe yourselves with these things. Matter of fact, let me give you some homework. How many of you didn't, didn't mind homework? I hated homework. <laughs> so it's really fun to give it. Just make this list that's in, in those verses that I just read, like clothe yourselves, you know, put these on. Um, Tenderhearted mercy. And write a sentence about what that looks like in your life. Tenderhearted mercy. How do you put that on? In your world, with your family, if you have kids, if you're single, whatever. Then do the word kindness. And then do the word humility. How, how are you going to do that in your life? Then do the word gentleness and then patience. And then make allowance for someone else's faults. 
forgive anyone who offends you. Now, here's, here's the kicker to that one. It doesn't even say if they ask you for forgiveness. I hate that part. Well, if they come begging on their knees, I'll consider it. <laughs> After we fully come to the conclusion that they totally messed up. You know why it's in the image of God to forgive? Because it's better for you too. You don't have to live with the pressure and the discomfort of angst, of anger. You don't have to relive all that stuff every day when you look in the mirror. You let it go to God. And you move forward, not backward, not sideways. You move forward because you're living under the grace of God right now. I was thinking about this. I, sometimes when I prepare messages, I make like personal lists of things and then and sort of my homework. And I ended up putting this back in the message, just a, a few of them. But I start thinking, why is this? Why, why have we become device, so divided in America? Even, even outside of just politics. One of, the, one of the things I wrote down is that we've become so accustomed to division that now it's the norm. And we almost don't have any reason to live if we're not arguing with somebody about something. You could get a circle of people and, and ask someone what their favorite ice cream is. If they say chocolate ice cream, someone across the circle will say, well, I like vanilla better. Well, we didn't ask you. Sorry, <laughs> that wasn't very image of God-like. <laughs> it just, we're just accustomed to it. We almost can't live. We don't, have any, we don't have any reason to live if we're not pushing against something or somebody. Our existence is, is like that. Or, or we enjoy showing our differences. It's like this palette for, I'm different than you, and here's what I, you need to know about me. And it's just the selfism. It's, it's like we gloat in our preferences. I don't know. I, I like chocolate ice cream. I like vanilla too. But you don't have to be mad at me if I don't like your favorite kind of ice cream, do you? Well, in our culture, it's almost like if you don't agree with my preferences, then pff, I'm defriending you today. We're quick to judge others. And we got to find blame. That, that's something I wrote down because I really, I'm not, I'm not talking about when you need to know whose fault it is. In a, a shooting, you need to know who did it. Someone hits you with, in a car, you need to know whose fault it is. I get that. Court, I'm just talking about someone spills a glass of water on the table. You, you can clean it up and it happens. Or you, you say, who did that? Why would you spill that? This chair falls over right here. And I say, did you tip that over? No, you point, you point to Lydia and say, she did it. And then I say, who did it? And it was you who pushed it over, right? And then the back row is going, I want to know. Let's see the video. Let's see the video. I'm, I'm in the room. My opinion matters. Why don't we just put the chair back up and move on? Last thing. 
quite people love it when preachers say that. <laughs> Created to live in peace. Man, this is a big one. Created to live in peace. Next verse, Colossians 3, verse 15. Again, this is image stuff. This is like God. Let the peace that comes from Christ, what's the next word there? Rule. That's, that's a very important word in this verse because it means to have dominion over, to own, to live in, to rule in your hearts. Here, here's, here's the difference. It's saying, you know, anxiety lives in my house and I pray that peace will come and penetrate it versus peace lives in my house. And I pray against anxiety trying to penetrate it. The image of God is that peace lives in your house. It rules you. It has dominion over you. Because you are at peace in Christ, this God who made you in his image. And God never gets nervous. He's at peace. So I have peace. And I pray against the other things that try to come in and take over. For as members of a one body, you are called to live in peace. And then he has to throw this kicker on there. Always be thankful. I, I, I think they might go together. Like I'm not sure I've ever met anybody who was super thankful and lived with gratitude in their life that didn't have some good measure of peace. It's almost like thankfulness might even come first. If I'm living grateful, I'm going to be at peace with a lot of things in my life. Because I'm not clawing and striving and climbing that mountain. That's all that flesh stuff. There's real power in gratitude, you guys. Real power in it. Think about it. Make sure it's clothing you. Make sure it's ruling in you. Three questions I want you to think about this week. These are so practical, and they line up with this outline, but they're real. I've been trying to live them, and I, I'll tell you, it's a challenge. Do I place, number one, do I place a high value on all people? All people groups, all nations. What is my attitude when it comes to that kind of stuff? Secondly, how am I valuing... My current relationships. You know, I, I don't have all the same relationships that I did 20 years ago. People come and go in your life. They move away and they're still my friends, but it's not like we talk that often. And, but within my current life, with a whole new plethora of relationships and family and additions and all, all the stuff with grandkids, what, how am I doing with that? How am I making adjustments to live at peace with my current relationships? And am I reflecting the image of God? Am I doing a good job with, with reminding those people who see me do life and are watching me do life that, that there is a God and that I'm trying to follow him? Is that even part of how they view me or you? Think about that. Just think about it for a while. Or do they know me because of my temper? Do they know me because of this? What is, what's the trait you're most known for? Is it a godly trait? This isn't a guilt trip. It's just an invitation. And the last one is, does my life exemplify peace? 
can I, can I be, see, you don't, I don't think you really can have peace with others until you have peace with you. If you're conflicted about your own life and living in insecurity and doubt and fear and all that stuff, man, you're going to have a hard time ever having peace in any of your relationships. And you're going to have a hard time looking beyond so that you can get that living that's in the image of God. I, man, I've thought a lot about why we're doing one day to feed the world. It's not, it's not just an annual event. It's because we have the image of God and we give. I care about these people who have lost their homes in these floods. It's terrible. I care about what's happening in the world in some of these places. And it's just too big and broad for me to do something everywhere. But through Convoy, I can be there. I can be a part of something bigger. I, I am so moved. I don't want this to get old to me. I'm When I, when I pick up one of these, something happens in my heart because it's, it's one thing to see this whole like big group. It's almost like a commercial. But this backpack is going on the back of a kid. This one. This is going to go around their little shoulders and they're going to be walking to school with this backpack on it. I'm a part of that. You're a part of that. They don't know your name. They don't even know it came from Timberline Church or someone who goes here. But it's the image of God that we give. And these kids, man, some of them have had troubled lives from the time they were born. And we get to do a little part. Why? Because we are created in the image of a generous God. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I'm just so grateful for your generosity. The fact that you even made us in your image is so humbling, so challenging. Don't let anyone get on a guilt trip about this. Let us rise up. Let us rise up as your kids, your sons, your daughters, as we've been singing about. May we have that as a reality in our lives. Mankind cannot take that away. It's in our godly DNA. <laughs> and we are grateful. And we say thank you. If you need peace right now, just slip up a hand. Can I just pray over you? Lord, touch these. You can put it right back down. Touch these who need the peace of God with whatever they're going through, the loss, the hurt, the heartache, the pain, let your image hold them, hug them, lift them right now. Let them know that your presence is all over them right now. Bring them peace. Those who are struggling in relationships right now, give them an answer. Let them wipe off their end of the stick. God, I just pray that they will be at peace with that relationship. And be our encourager. And thank you that we get to be sons and daughters. Yes, would you just, would you just right where you sit, just thank God that you're a son and daughter. Just say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, that I'm created in your image. Help me to reach my fullest potential. We are your kids, and we give you thanks. It's in this moment that I want us to pause and give thanks for the opportunity to bring an offering. We don't physically pass the plate right now. 
but I always like to have a moment that's kind of a reflection. So, Lord, thank you for the offerings we bring one day, tithe and offering and our giving, not as a gimmick, but truly out of obedience and joy, we offer what you have blessed us with and show us how to make every penny count through Timberline, God. We are responsible and accountable. In your name we pray. Amen. Sure love you guys. Sure proud of you. Sure grateful. We got a big job to do. Amen.